0: Welcome to the Insight Through Experience podcast, a podcast created to provide information about what life is like inside the most specialized special tactics organization in the U.S. Air Force. In these episodes, we'll be bringing you the experiences from many of our experts, ranging from our human performance optimization staff, our combat mission supporters, as well as our special warfare operators. Our main objective with these podcasts are to provide the listener with a unique look inside our culture of excellence in hopes that you will make the 724 a future career goal. Now sit back, relax, take some notes, prepare to hear from some of the Air Force's finest. Thank you for joining us on the Insight Through Experience podcast. All right, this week's going to be special. We have Brian from the 17th Special Tactics Squadron with us this week. Brian, it is a pleasure to get to talk to you today on the podcast.
1: Hey, Mr. Free, I really appreciate you having me on here. Looking forward to getting some information out there to all the guys that are interested in putting their package forward.
0: All right, Brian, if you would, give the audience a brief summary of your life up to this point and how you ended up in Aspect War. So
1: I grew up in, in Texas. I lived there my entire life, all the way till I was 24 years old. I grew up out in the country, hunting, fishing, uh, played sports in high school, soccer and football. And obviously football is like a huge thing in Texas. So um, that's where I think early on the the work ethic side that I have started to build a little bit. Uh, I ended up going to college uh, there in my hometown in and, and, uh, Stephenville, the Tarleton State University. Did four years there, got a, a, a kinesiology degree. And then uh, I decided to join the air force shortly after it's something that had been on my mind straight out of high school. And I had talked to my parents about it and they both thought that like, it wasn't a bad route to go. My dad was prior military as well, but he also wanted me to kind of put my best foot forward towards school and see how I liked it and see if I came up with any other ideas once I finished college. And then if so, they were going to support me either way, whether I chose to join the military or not. Um, But that kept like eating at me the entire time. And I finished school and I realized that like what I had chosen to do wasn't what was meant for me. And like there was like a greater purpose out there. And and I just couldn't get rid of that feeling. So I enlisted within six months of graduating college.
0: Man, that's a great background. I just want to reflect on this a moment. So you were 24 year old years old when you chose to enlist and you have a degree. So why not come officer? Why'd you come enlisted? So
1: I, I met with a officer recruiter as well as enlisted recruiter, uh, both before I finished school. And with the degree that I had, uh, meeting with the officer recruiter, the, the jobs that were available to me based on my GPA that I had at the time were not anything that was appealing to me. And, uh, I left this out, but I worked in the oil field all through college and that's what paid for my school. So I, I go to school Monday, Wednesday, Friday, work in the oil field, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And so I always liked working with my hands, being outside. Uh, I don't like being indoors. I don't like sitting at a computer. Um, So kind of some of the, the opportunities that were put in front of me going the officer route were not anything that, that, uh, would be fulfilling to me. So I started doing a little bit of research. Uh, I wasn't even aware whenever I was looking at going into the air force that the battlefield, the airman crew filled were out there. This was before it was aspect war. Um, so I started doing a little bit of research. I, I read about South T CCT, PJ tech P um, and the one that stuck out to me the most was, was tech P or, or combat control. So I, I looked at both of those and, you know, people say it all the time and, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to brush over this, but the, the swim thing that just wasn't for me. Uh, and that's, that's why I settled on tag P and I have no regrets. Like if I, if I went back and did it all over again, I I would have done the same exact steps that I I chose to get where I am today. Um, but basically I went into the recruiter and I, I just told them, Hey, I've done a little bit of research these are the, uh, the career fields that interest me. And this is the specific one that I, I want to go into. And, you know, he was, he was not real familiar with, uh, the tech P career field. He tried to sell me on a, a couple other things and basically he was utilizing the, like, I can get you to basic training on this date if you choose this job. And I was like, well, I will wait as long as I need to in order to, to get a tech piece slot. So I ended up, uh, I ended up only having to wait like three months, but I I wasn't going to let somebody kind of sway my decision and push me in a a different direction than what I I knew
0: I wanted to do. What resonated with me when you were talking about how you made your choice was, well, I guess the question that arrives or pops up in my head is, would you say that same thing if you hadn't been at the 17th, do you think? If you stayed out in the regular ASOS world, would you still have that same opinion? So that's a, that's a great question,
1: and uh, this is going to – I'm sure that when I, when I say this, I can speak for a lot of tech P's that are out there, but basically the, the research that I had done uh, prior to enlisting and coming in and going to the schoolhouse and getting to my first ASOS, uh, there were a lot of things that led to those decisions, and it was what I was reading about that was going on downrange and, and what the tech P's were getting to do so fast forward going through uh technical Brian, schoolhouse Brian, what time frame was that in, in what, the, what year
0: was that that you're talking about
1: so i uh, i enlisted in 2011 the end of 2011 and by the time i got to the asos it was the 14th asos by the time i got there the last group of non jtac qualified tech P's were coming home from downrange and that was kind of the transition where those guys were no longer getting to deploy and, and fall underneath a JTAC and actually go do a mission set. Uh, that's the the transition when they were only allowing the, the JTAC qualified tech piece to get on those rotations. So basically I got to the squadron and started my upgrade training and I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't take any of, uh, of that and, and try to do it differently. I learned a lot, and there were there were great guys there that were teaching me and training me. But it wasn't what I signed up for, and the opportunities that I thought were going to be there were just, in no fault of, of anybody's own, it's just it's, it's the situation that I fell into. So, uh, luckily for me, I had some some NCOs, a few senior NCOs that had prior seventeenth time, and they had they had done their five years within the seventeenth and the 14th ASOS was their next assignment. So them coming into the squadron and kind of uh, taking those leadership roles and and letting me know like what was out there, that what I signed up for thinking I was going to do, it's still out there. It just takes a few more steps to get there. And that's all I needed to hear. Um, I just wanted to know that it was still happening and somebody to tell me, this is how you can do it. And I took off from there.
0: Awesome. So, what led, what ultimately led to the trigger to you putting in your application to come over to the SD side of the house? So going back
1: to the the few guys that we had prior 17th coming over to our squadron, sitting down and talking with them, they would run me through scenarios at the unit. They'd run me through the sim, We'd go on cash trips and they would talk to me about their time at the 17th, the relationships that they build, the mission sets that they got to do. Uh, and all of them, uh, pretty much stating that it was the best time in their military career up to this point hearing their stories knowing that that's that's exactly what i i wanted out of my job and and what i wanted to provide that's what drove me to okay i'm not a jtac yet i know that there are certain things that have to be checked off the list in order for me to like be approved to submit a package one of those being three years time on station uh, at the time, I believe it was still uh, JTAC qualified. Uh, that was a requirement. And they had done away. I don't know if, if this is true or not, but I, what I believe was they wanted at least one deployment under your belt prior to going to selection. But I think when I submitted that, that was not a requirement. It was a, a nice to have, but not a requirement. So I, uh, I started getting everything in order. There there happened to be a, a deployment that came down for me right around my three-year mark. And uh, I wanted to get some job experience, but I also didn't want the clock to tick. And because I know the longer you wait, the harder it is to either go because we all come up with excuses or reasons why we shouldn't, or you're vulnerable to what the Air Force may decide they want you to do. So... The opportunity came down to deploy and it just so happened to to be I had two years and some change. I hadn't hit three years yet. By the time I came back from the deployment, I would be over my three year uh, time. And there was going to be a selection that September. So I went on the deployment. I got everything out of it that I could. Um, It was one of the best learning experiences I've ever had, although it's not what I thought I was going to be doing as a tag B. Like I would go back and do it again because I learned a lot and I I think that it set me up for success where I am now. Uh, but when I got back from that deployment, I had three months before the selection, I finished my package, I submitted it and there was no turning back.
0: You've piqued my interest now. What was, what was different about the deployment, um, that you were not expecting maybe when you got over there? So
1: when I deployed, we were operating from a strike cell and not, uh, going outside the wire on target and the JTAC portion, I was getting to do the JTAC portion. We were getting to drop ordinance every day. And as far as, as being kinetic, it's I don't think ever in my entire career, will I ever be that active and, and release an ordinance, but it was from a desk and you know, it, it's gratifying to a certain extent and you're, you're helping people. We were, we were helping people, but it's not like, it's not the same as as you know already. So uh, it just didn't scratch the itch that I had and I knew that there was more and I was capable of doing more.
0: Yeah, I kind of experienced the same thing overseas. You know, I spent a lot of time um, on the ground controlling airstrikes and whatnot, but I got stuck in the same desk position as you did um, overseas. And what I learned, you know, a whole lot of new, um technology was coming online and we got to use that to employ fires in unique ways so to me that was that was really exciting but I get what you're saying like if that's your first time overseas you're expecting to be on the ground in the firefight getting to drop bombs and uh when you're sitting behind the desk doing it and then going to eat chow right after you get done dropping bombs it probably doesn't have the same effect for sure yeah so let's talk about that selection experience a little bit Brian I know the process, the process is changing. In fact, we are running a 17th Special Tactics Squadron selection next week. Um, so it's going to be different than what you went through in a lot of ways. But I think all A&S processes kind of look for the same things and those those are those attributes and, and somebody to highlight to us that they can be successful. So explain some of the fear that you had when you were moving into that um, selection process down at Herbie, if you would. So going back
1: to, uh, to my selection, this would have been September of 2016. And I think that a lot of guys get the same feeling, but the worst part is the wait. So you, you submit your package, you wait the maybe week, maybe two weeks, you get a response saying your package has been selected. We want to take a closer look. These are the dates for selection. And then, and then it really kicks in and it's like, the worst part is waiting for day one to start. And then once it starts, you're just, you're, you're in it to win it. And you're, you're going to go into you can't go. And so for me, uh, prior to going, I had, I'd had an injury and Achilles tendon injury and I kind of had to really scale back any physical training. It didn't, it didn't, uh, have anything to do or hinder me from doing job related training. But when it came to the physical aspect and, and that's, that's a real easy way to get in your head. Um, you know, that for sure, you're going to be, you're going to be tested on physical capabilities. That's not the only thing, but you do know, that's going to be part of it. So I think the biggest fear and probably the biggest internal battle that I had amongst myself was I'm a month out and I'm not able to train like I've been preparing myself for this. And at the end of the day, what I had to tell myself was like, all I can do is the best that I can possibly do regardless of what the injury is. And it's not going to stop me from performing, but I'm going to give it my 100%. And so that was, that was an internal battle the entire time uh, all the way up until day one. as soon as we started, I'd never even thought about it, which is, is just a blessing in itself but um for me it wasn't a, there was never like a fear of like i sure hope that i get picked up or it's really going to suck if i don't get picked up but it was just me telling myself and knowing myself that whatever's put in front of me i'm i'm not going to hold back and i'm going to give everything that i have regardless of the event and at the end of the day whether it's a yes or no, like I left it all out there on the table. And so there's, there's no regret on my part.
0: All right. So we know the story ends up being a good news story because you got picked up, but on the Brian scorecard (laughs) in the selection, uh, how did you grade yourself as you went through the process and and looking back right after it was done? um, How'd you feel about your performance?
1: So on, on my grading criteria, and this is, this is because like i chose to compete against myself and not those that were around me and like i said each event that came up it was a fresh start for me and like i laid it all out there on the table Uh, i would say like i would give myself an eight and and the only reason being it would be a 10 if it was based on my sole effort like me giving everything that i had, but there, there were things in there that like, after the fact, I, I looked at it and I'm like, you know, what an idiot. Like you just do, you do something and you're like, what was I thinking? And, um, you know, that's part of the process. In my opinion, it's part of the process to see that like guys are going to mess up. You're not going to do everything perfect. Cause there's nobody that's perfect, but like, how are, how are you going to recover from that? And are you going to let it eat you up and, and trickle into other portions of, what is placed in front of you? Or are you are you going to be able to move past it and, and recover and just start fresh on on everything that's put in front of you?
0: Yeah, selection. This is why I love it. And this is why I've been running it for so long is because I know as human beings, if I put stress on you, um, it's going to make something you know how to do very well. It's going to make that task very hard for you at times, especially if I can get you sleep deprived and a little bit hungry um, so we all battled through that when we went through our selection process. And so I love hearing it. An eight, an eight is a good score. So that means that you did probably very well during that that whole process. But I liked what you said up front. with The hardest, hardest part for you initially was the wait. We have uh, roughly about 12 tech peas and some EOD guys who are waiting right now, who are waiting for next Monday to get here so they start. So they probably won't get to hear this, but if you could – call each one of them and give them a piece of advice right now, what would it be, Brian? Uh, what, I
1: would, what I would tell them is, you know, get out of your own head. I think that we're our own worst enemies in, in most of these instances. And if uh, if you can take a step back and, and look at your your training and preparation prior to submitting that package, just know that as long as you go out there and you put your best foot forward, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a hire or a non-hire or a return. It's that like you were, you were given an opportunity and you put it all out there for everybody to see. And, you know, that's all that anybody can do. So there's no shame uh, regardless of what the, the end result is and, and just stay out of your head.
0: <laughs> no, that is such good advice. Um, give us your lowest mental moment during selection where were you at the lowest where did you hit rock bottom how'd you pull yourself out of that brian
1: so uh going back to one of the previous questions uh talking about that that moment where i was like what an idiot we (laughs) we had had a a sim that we conducted through through the selection and uh had gone into the sim kind of they got our heart rates up we went in there and it was my first experience being in a dome sim so like that initial, like this is unfamiliar, kind of uncomfortable. I don't like this. Um, you go in there and then obviously uh, as you walk in the door off to the left or all the cadre, <laughs> and then you have the sim operator and you're like, great. Now everybody's watching and I got in there. I was unfamiliar with the, the controls of the system, but at the end of the day, that, that doesn't matter. I had one of the cadre as my GFC and we kind of went through the scenario. And <clears throat> like I did, I did what I knew how to do and I did it to my best ability. Um, But I was definitely, definitely flustered. And it was, it was after the fact that like we got done and the, the guy that had been playing my GFC, he, he kind of looked at me and he just had this grin on his face and he was like, well, that was fun, wasn't it? And I was just like, in my head, like our definitions of fun are not the same, but it was probably a lot of fun for him. Um, They pulled me out of the sim and, kind of went through the the cadre and their their debrief items and a lot of it was stuff that like i know better like of course like that was the wrong decision and initially this is that this is that kind of uh putting stuff behind you and and moving on to the next thing um the lowest point was was probably that because I came to selection for one reason and that's to to be a JTAC whether it's at the 17th or at another two series and and I'm being debriefed on things that I I know how to do um and I I should have performed better at that and that was for me that was the lowest part not uh it had nothing to do with uh physical stress or anything like that but just knowing that like, I'm here for a reason, and it's to be a JTAG for, for one of these units. And the one thing that, like, I should be performing well at, I, I really struggled with at that point. Um, so I took the the debrief items, and, you know, I kind of, I walked out of the sim. And I took some time to think about what was brief to me and what's applicable and what I can use like throughout the rest of the selection and the items that like I can't use right now, I, I just tried to like drop them so that it wasn't on my mind. And I just decided at that point, like what's done is done. And they have formulated what, what they they think uh, they know my capabilities are or are not. And like, there's, there's nothing I can do about what has already happened. And now it's about like, what else is gonna be coming up?
0: Yeah, awesome. And I want to backtrack a little bit because you keep mentioning the guys who came from the 17th that were at your unit out in the ASOS world. What was it about them? Can you put that in an attribute form or just what were the things that you noticed about those guys that kind of led you to say, and that's probably the guy's footsteps that I want to follow in? So, so
1: first off, whenever I showed up to the 14th, one of them had PCS the same week, uh, to the 14th that, that I showed up. So we kind of were doing in-processing together. And first first off was appearance and professionalism. Uh, it was just something about the way that they integrated and, and had conversations with people and the respect that was there. Um, the one that I was in-processing with, this was my first assignment. So like he had never been to the 14th either, but he was basically taking me under his wing per se and and helping me get through everything that i needed to get through which that wasn't his responsibility i wasn't even his guy but he knew that somebody was going through the process as well and he was familiar with it so uh he he just helped me out and and brought me along the way and then uh outside of the just the professionalism it was everything that we did in training regardless of whether it was taking care of the vehicles whether it was controlling aircraft whether it was jump operations Everything that they did, um they had the same attitude towards it as far as like importance goes and like detail and not cutting corners and it's just they did that in everything that we did. And I hadn't seen that before up to this point. Obviously, I'd just gone through the schoolhouse and then uh I just showed up there but there was a significant difference in in how they carried themselves and handled business as opposed to some of the others and I'm not going to say all of the others cuz there's there's guys all over the career field that that have that same manner but this was like day one Brian showing up seeing it for
0: himself. Yeah, I wanted to get that out of you because you know with your life experience and um, the hard work you probably had to put in those old fields, which I can imagine is probably brutal on, on some or most days. And then your college experience. I think, you know, the older we are, the better we are at seeing what right looks like. And so that's interesting to hear your perception of them as you're moving into your first tactical unit at the 14th. So I appreciate that answer. Um, and I know as we move into the training aspect of what happened after. Um, you were chosen to go to the 17th, and uh, all that's changing on the backside now. But what was that experience like once you got done with ANS? and um, How did you get to Debt One? What were the what was the process in between there?
1: So the the process at the time was we went to AST down at SDTS in Florida, and it was three months. And some of the things that we covered were AIES. Uh, we had a planning course. It was a, a two week course that was contracted and. Basically, we went over the whole gamut of planning for uh, different mission sets, uh, as well as different positions that you may hold within those mission sets. Uh, additionally, there was uh, some shooting courses. We did some airborne operations, which it was all static line for us because none of us were free fall qualified, but we got to do some static line jumps into the the sound there. That was the first time for me. I'd never done any deliberate water jumps, well, water jumps at all. Um, and then we got to do some ATV training, which all this stuff was, it was really fun training. Like I, I enjoyed every bit of it. We did, we did some contract casts and that was my first time working with contract cast prior to that. We'd always worked with DOD aircraft and, uh, so we had, we had a week that was kind of in the middle of, of AST where we controlled cast local there in Florida. And then we drove down to Avon Park at the end and kind of did our, our last week with full mission profiles out there uh, with live ordinance. So um, the whole process, there were a lot of things that I had never done before. And
0: it was just, it was a good time. Knowing what you know now, for the guys who are going to get picked up and who are going to go through training in the future, even though it's probably not going to be down at SCTS anymore, um, what are the things they need to take away from that training piece? Whatever it is, what do they need to show up at their first debt knowing?
1: So now that the process has changed, uh, I'm pretty sure that we're going to be holding their training in-house, which I think is a great thing because – guys that are coming to 17th, we have a a different mission set than a lot of units out there. And there, there are some things that we do that are particular to the customers that we support. So, um, I mean, I wish that I had had that prior to showing up to the 17th. Um, The how specific of training they're going to get, it's just going to translate, it's, it's gonna be seamless whenever they actually show up to their teams, which is which is great. Um, But, right now in preparation prior to actually starting their their initial training at the unit the the biggest things are continue doing the things that they've done to prepare themselves to get here because they were chosen for a reason it wasn't it wasn't out of luck it was out of preparation on their part and so um they shouldn't take that lightly like they obviously put in the work to get there um so continuing to do what what they've been doing and then additionally like stay healthy, taking care of themselves, staying out of trouble and just show up with an open mind. Cause there's going to be a lot of things that, that are new and some things that may be taught differently. Uh, but there's a reason behind that. And you may not see the reason initially, but it will, it will come eventually. And, and there's going to be that time that like the light bulb clicks and you're, it's going to be that, that's why moment for those guys. So Um, that's the, that's the biggest thing I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be awesome. It's a great opportunity. And, and I wish that I had had this, uh,
0: this training prior to coming to the unit. Yeah. Well said, well said on all fronts, man. That was great. Um, when you got to debt one in Savannah, let's just say as you were traveling there after your training was finished, what were some of the fears that you had? Uh, prior
1: prior to getting down there, um, I was a little bit, I, Probably, probably nervous about like, Hey, I'm the new guy. See, we'll see how this goes kind of thing. Uh, which like I was, I was way off and, and what I had imagined in my head, things were going to be like, uh, additional fear was my experience. Like I had limited experience. I had one deployment under my belt. I had been a tag for just over a year. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, but I, I just didn't have a lot of experience. So, showing up there. I knew that a lot of these guys had like two minimum deployments before they even showed up to the 17th, some of them more than that. So just the experience difference there, that was a little bit nerve wracking for me, Um, which is good too, because like those uncomfortable situations are are where you see the most growth. And, and I, I think a lot of times people get comfortable, myself included, we get in those comfortable positions and it's like life is easy. And but there's not growth in those moments and it's it's when you take a step out of that comfort zone and and you experience situations and you're put in environments that like either you've never been in before or that you didn't even know existed and like that's when that's when you really grow not only as a human like a human being but as an operator as well um, so looking back those were some of my fears but like those those fears turned into uncomfortable situations, which turned into growth, which put me where I'm at now. Um, Hopefully I'm able to pass on those experiences to the new coming guys that are coming into the squadron and, and I hope that they receive and and benefit from the same situations that I did.
0: Yeah. If you say it, just like you're saying it on this podcast, when I get there, brother, you're going to hit, you're going to hit the nail on the head for sure. Let's talk about your time at the 17th a little bit. So just for the audiences, like I always say, I always get a disclaimer. Uh, we got to keep it on the unclassed side. A lot of stuff that he had or has done at the 17th um, is over on the classified side. So we're going to keep it on the right side of the fence for this one. But um, how was it, Brian, when you went and started conducting your training and in operations with uh, First Bat?
1: I showed up a month before they were about to head down range. So I got one one little cash trip in prior to them heading out to guys that needed to green up some things. And then that was kind of, that was all I got to do before they went out the door. But <clears throat> on my first cast trip, uh, we were up in Boise, Idaho, and I'd never heard, like, how they do things. I'd never been on the radio listening, and uh, I was sitting in the back of a Suburban, and we had driven to to the MOA, and they had just kicked off the scenario, and I, I just remember sitting there listening to the JTAC that was controlling and. You know, I was I was trying to follow along. ATAC was still somewhat new to me because I didn't really use that when I was at the 14th ASOS, and, you know, he just kept going, and as the scenario went on, I was just like – I was having a hard time keeping up, and I was just – in my head, I was, I was like, I know he's got experience, and he's been here a while. I, I hope that one of these days, like, I can get to this point, and I can be this uh, this capable at doing my job, but – that was my first experience. They ended up deploying. Uh, I stayed home, and with that, they tied me right into our ops that's here at Benning, and, and they started getting me integrated with the guys at Benning and our detachment that's up in Washington. So I kind of ended up bouncing all over the place, jumping on TDYs with the other two teams, which is which is really fortunate because with the rotations that we have, a lot of times, like, guys in Savannah don't see guys in Washington besides in a rip. And it could be just that one guy that you're replacing. So a lot of times guys will come and go and you see new names within the squadron. And you're like, I don't even know who this is. And it's just, it's the nature of the beast, but I had the opportunity to to get to both locations on multiple instances for training. And I got to meet pretty much all of the guys within the squadron. So um, it was a great opportunity to, to meet some really solid guys and, and then to get on some great training. So, um, we did some shooting courses driving courses uh a lot of cast trips uh and that was that was kind of unique to my situation in the in the timing that i showed up to the unit uh, but when it comes down to a, a regular training cycle you're going to get um basically like the Mlat portion of the training which you get to see big picture when a when a battalion moves what all goes into that and and it's a lot of moving pieces and then uh we had company live fire, platoon live fire. So you get to see at the, at the more basic levels, how these guys move and operate. Um, and then we go into our validation training prior to deployment. And, and that's where basically throughout the year, every uh, part task training that we've accomplished, you kind of combine it all into one and you put it into a week of full mission profiles um, based off of things that we think we may see uh, in the deployed environment. And that for me was was extremely eye opening. That's one thing to do, a little bit of training here and a little bit of training there, and then at the end of it, they just combined everything and see like how the machine works. And it was it was a great
0: experience. Explained if you would to the audience. So you probably have a lot of tag in the ASOS community um, listening to this in the future. And as you talked about that training cycle, and you you talked about the battalion. Um, level movements down to the company size, down to the team size. A lot of those ASOSes are doing some of the same things with the Army units they're supporting. What's the difference, though?
1: The biggest difference that I noticed is the relationships that our JTAGs have with not only the the platoon leadership, but the company leadership and the battalion leadership. Our guys are over there uh, three or four times a week. And, you know, a lot of times our guys are over there and their, their companies like integrating and whether it's training or whether they're planning or whether they're just hanging out with the guys, the relationships. I've never seen like air force army relationship as close and as tight as, as what our guys have over there. And it's, it's the amount of respect that their staff has for our guys. It just shows like what's been built upon over the last years of, of hard work and and guys like sweating and bleeding over it. Um, they paved the way, and, and then the, the new guys coming into the unit, they're, they're being brought up the same way. And that, that's one thing that, that hasn't changed. I haven't seen a change in it since I showed up is just that interaction and and I get, for lack of a better word, like that, that family feeling. You feel like uh, – I don't feel like an attachment over there, an enabler. I've never once felt like an enabler over there. I actually feel like I'm part of their company.
0: Yeah, great. Great way to put it. Man, throughout your time there, when did you just stop and look? Maybe it was on train cycle, maybe it was on deployment. When did you just like stop and look around? And like, man, I can't even believe this is my life right now. This is this is awesome beyond expectation. Like when was that moment? That
1: moment was my first deployment with the seventeenth. And I would I would like equate it to playing football in high school and, and you practice and you practice and you practice and you never get a game. You just, you continue to practice and you start to kind of develop that attitude of, of what for, and it's not the right attitude to have, but that's kind of where I was prior to we would train and train and train. And and then like, I wasn't getting the fulfillment of playing that game, nor, nor was it the game that like I originally bought off on. So, that, that moment for me was my first deployment with the 17th. And, you know, I got out on my first target and it was just kind of surreal. And, you know, I got back, we got back that night and, you know, nothing, nothing happened. This is the, the craziest thing. Nothing happened. I did not, I did not release ordinance. Like I controlled sensors, but I did exactly what I thought I was signing up for. And just the, the gratification that I, that I got out of that on a personal level, that's, that's all that mattered to me. And it's the same for me. Every time I get to go out, it's, it's that fulfillment of, this is, this is what I researched and this is why I joined the air force and, and I'm continuing to get to do it. And like, that's it.
0: Man love that answer. Love it. Uh, It was just making me think I've never really thought about that in my own life and career and I remember this was in March I think of 2002 um, we were infilling a long way into a target and um, I was going to be the primary JTAC on the scene and as the helicopters were getting near you know we're already tuned into the fires network and things start crackling I can I'm just coming into um, range of the line of sight comms and then I hear a lot of talking and then you see what looks like lightning on the the horizon and as our helicopters are coming in the whole world around the target is just blowing up like the ac-130 gunship is having its way with whatever's around it Uh, the apache gunships are having its way with whatever's around it Um, and before i even got on the ground before i ever even got to key the mic on anything like that moment solidified everything that I'd done up to that moment in my life. Like this was it. This was, I was at the place I was supposed to be. So I love hearing these stories, man, because just like you said before, you you didn't really do anything on target, man, for that one go, but it meant the world to you because it finally validated everything that you have done up in your life until then. And it's just special. I appreciate you sharing that. I also want to put out there and we try to be as honest as we can, because these are aimed at recruiting people. We need people to come up and join our organizations so they can help us solve these problems. But man, when you're working with the customers you guys work with and the daily life inside the 17th, they're in a bunch of unicorns running around inside the squadron and they're in a bunch of rainbows outside every day. So what are some of those challenging things that you've dealt with since you've been there Uh, so guys can understand what they're getting into before they put their application in?
1: It's it's funny that you you bring this question up because whenever uh, whenever I joined the military, I was single. I didn't have uh, a family, and I pretty much my career has been my my single focus the entire time. And it makes things really easy. It made it made life easy, and you know I was able to like any TDY that came up for for training. Like I'm on it, and I'm bettering myself and you know, it's, it's not hard to progress and and be good at your job and, and all that in the military, when you're single, uh, it wasn't until last year when I got married that, you know, the, the whole rainbows and unicorns, (laughs) that's when it, that's when it all kind of set in for me because at the end of the day, um, like families, family is what matters. And, you know, I love being in the military and, and I want to do a full 20 and and retire. But you know, when it's all said and done, like the military is not going to be there when, when I punch that time card and it's my family, that's going to be there now. And so the, the biggest thing is, is a balance, right? So, and I'm still learning. I think a lot of people are learning whether they've been married for a year or whether they've been married for 15 years. But uh, for me personally, this last year has been one of the biggest learning experiences for me because I'm married now. I've got a stepdaughter and, and, you know, they, they matter to me and and work matters to me and uh, trying to figure out that balance of like, can I still be good at my job? Can I still be proficient and not volunteer for everything that's put out on the table and, and not take away from my family more than than we already asked them to, to give up. And so, and the answer is yes. Like, you can still be proficient at your job. You can still be a, a phenomenal operator, uh, an NCO, a leader, and be a father and, and a husband at home. Um, it takes a lot of work, but it's definitely possible. And, and prior to coming to the 17th, we didn't have staff that uh, was there for the families and supported the families, their needs. What's, uh, and not only when we're deployed, but when we're home as well. Um, and that's one thing that, like, the 17th has provided, and I, and I know that everybody, everybody's making this more of a priority now, but I, I just hadn't seen it before, and I, I know that they truly care about the families, and, and you have people and resources there that are available to to help facilitate whatever your family needs at that time, and, and that's been one of the biggest blessings that being part of this unit is, yeah, we work together and and it's a job, but it's also a family and and people look out for each other. And, you know, some, some people don't want to hear it. Sometimes they don't want to ask for help or they, they just, uh, they want to handle it themselves, but it's always there. And regardless of how many times you say no, that one time you say yes, they're, they're going to be there to help. And I think that's huge.
0: Long time ago, I had a buddy who was retiring, and at his retirement ceremony, he was a controller and it's a retirement ceremony. Um, The command that we work for uh, never stops. And that was his point. He's like, You could stick your hand in a bucket of water, pull your hand out, and the time that it takes that water to collapse back in on the hole where your hand was is how long they're going to miss you when you walk out of this building. And uh, I laughed, but (laughs) started painting. It is. and I started paying attention to it, and he was so right. The machine's not going to stop. I see too many of our operators really get bought into the I'm an operator piece, and they let everything else in our life kind of crumble down around that ego mountain that they're building for themselves. And then when they pull that hand out of the bucket of water, uh, there's nothing left standing around them. So... I just hope everybody listens to what Brian said today because man, it resonated with me and it's about finding the balance outside of just your job, be the best you can be at your job, but then go home and be the best you can be at home too. So, all right, so Brian, so as we're rounding third man and bring this home. So imagine you're on stage, you're talking to every ASOS tech P that exists out there and maybe even some in the pipeline and maybe some who are still the Brian out, out in the civilian community who's looking at making this a job. Um, what can you offer them? What should they be doing now? What would you tell them to prepare them uh, for an assignment at the 17th? So,
1: so first off, uh, what I would say is, is the best time is now the longer that, that you wait to submit an application, the, the more chances there are for, for things to come up, whether it be family or, or work related. And, uh, there's no better time really than now. Why the 17th? Um, for me personally and, and that's all i can speak to is that the 17th has provided me the opportunities to to do every bit of training and uh execution downrange that that i thought i was going to be doing when i initially joined the air force and joined as a p um it's provided me those opportunities and uh it's provided me opportunities that i didn't even know existed additionally the, uh, the relationships that are built within the 17th and those that we work with, um, I haven't seen anything better out there uh, in my time. And then the, uh, the squadron itself, just how they care for the individual operator, and, and then additionally, those families as well, and um, how willing they are to provide for those families in times of needs, um, that's the biggest thing that I can speak to for the 17th and, and, and why I would do it now. And, and I would choose the 17th again, if I had to.
0: Man, love it. Love all those answers. And Brian, it was really good to talk to you today. I, I hope this resonates out into the TACP community, but I also want to add that we also hire for the support positions inside the 17th as well. So, this sounds like a unit um, that you want to be a part of and you want, you're a supporter and you want to come out and, and help give back and provide for the nation. Uh, this is an opportunity for you as well. Brian, thanks so much for spending an hour with me today, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, Mr. Free,
1: I appreciate you having me on here. And, and anybody that has questions, like just reach out. Um, guys are more than happy to answer those questions. Thanks for your time.